2: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2 and streaming on NFL Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL Plus. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more.
0: Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick. And hey, folks, remember last, I think it was December of 2018, when we were joined by Katie Golden of Creature Feature, our uh, another podcast in our network? Well, she's back today. Say hi, Katie. Hey, guys. Hey. How you doing?
3: Pretty great. I'm so excited to be back. Yeah, yeah.
0: we're uh, we're excited to have you on the show again. So Creature Feature is back for a second season. That's correct, right?
3: Yeah, that's right. Uh, And I'm really excited about this season because we've got, um, now I got somehow managed to convince some experts to come on my show and (laughs) talk about stuff. So that's great. I've got a herpetologist who I have a series of interviews with. Um, I've found a comedian who's also uh, a a bioengineer. And it's just got, it's like I was worried. I was thinking, well, how am I, I hope I don't run out of content for this season. And I'm, as I'm researching, I'm realizing there's no possible way to ever, like all of the examples I've been finding for this season, all of the really interesting uh, evolutionary biology stories are even more incredible than last season. Uh, so I'm I'm super excited. I, I think this is shaping up to be really interesting and fun.
4: So season two is, is more incredible than season one. Which season is grosser?
3: <laughs> oh, you know, that's a good question. Um, well, I don't know. I, I think season two is, it's not, well, it's not gross to me. It's, it's certainly stranger, though. It's weirder. <laughs> it gets a lot weirder. Uh, there are definitely some <laughs> gross things um uh we talk about uh some uh, you know weapons that animals have that are kind of like poop based <laughs> oh yeah um stinky poop bombs uh so yeah there's there's plenty of grossness to be had and uh, uh oh and and vomit bombs that's a good one uh animals who explode after eating too much uh there's lots of those actually <laughs> um so yeah it's uh if you're I mean it's I try to keep things. I, I try to describe things in a way that aren't won't make you lose your lunch. But, you know, it, it is still – It's nature doesn't no. really care about being polite,
0: if you know <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> so you're trying not to make people vomit. I think that's where you're screwing up.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I mean, if we've learned anything from evolutionary biology, throwing up on your enemies is a really good evolutionary strategy. So, if you do throw up in response to my podcast, I'm actually helping you along. Uh-huh.
4: Well, yeah, I think in general like humans have a weird attitude towards vomit. Like if you if you have a cat or or, or, or I guess a dog too. Dogs vomit, right? Oh yeah. I, oh, yeah. You yeah. not know if dogs. I, dog I don't know. I, I don't know have a from... dog. But but my cat certainly vomits and when when she vomits like it is just it is a natural, shameless act for her, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's how it is for, uh, for 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 everything except humans, who have all these strange ideas about it and, and get all worked up
0: over the process. Robert, I forget that you don't know anything about dogs. So, wait <laughs> here, let's do a quiz: True or false, Robert? Dogs defensively squirt blood out of their eyes. I know that's not true. That's uh, <laughs> that's more of a that's that is a, true particular uh, for
3: horned, uh, horned toads, though. That's yeah, yeah that's
0: the one. Yeah so yes. wait what what's your favorite defensive vomiting?
3: Um, well, uh there's a few species of birds who will vomit a sort of orange sticky substance onto a predator, and it will it's it actually can be really dangerous for the predator because it can weigh down their wings, say it's another avian predator. It'll uh get their wings all oily and make it difficult to fly, and it can actually uh, cause their downfall. So it's kind of amazing that you can flip the script so much where you have this cute, innocent little baby bird, um, that vomits all over its would be predator. And then that predator is now in mortal danger because it's covered in vom.
4: So you mentioned, uh, Animals that kind of explode as well. Do you get in? You get into uh, um, termites.
3: Yeah, termites. Uh, when they get old enough, they kind of concoct this explosive wine in their mm-hmm. bodies. It's not really wine. I just. It's funny because it gets the explosive juices get better with age, um, <laughs> and then in order, and they once they get old, their mandibles just aren't as good at chopping down plant fibers and. Uh, They're kind of they're kind of useless to a certain extent, except that they can use their bodies as a defensive weapon uh, against uh, invaders or predators. And so they will violently contract their abdomens and they'll explode. Uh, So they uh, they it's like this sack of blue liquid that can suicidally explode onto enemies. um, And it's. It's just like it, it's so they blew themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, how,
0: how about the defensive pooping? You mentioned that too, right?
3: Yeah, uh, pygmy sperm whales are a good example. They—it's huh. not really poop. It's like this butt syrup. Uh, it's uh, this specialized fluid that's this kind of brown, dark, uh, smelly—I would imagine very smelly—fluid <laughs> that they use, kind of like squid ink, where huh. they will. It clouds the water, makes it unpalatable for predators, and then also just like gives them sort of a poopy smokescreen. Wow. Uh, I, don't, I don't think I'd by. heard
4: of this one. This is a new one on me.
3: Yeah, and then also um, some songbirds will say a raven is trying to eat their young. Uh, the songbirds will poop on the ravens, uh, dive bomb them, and uh, it's similar to the defensive vomiting where it will coat the raven's feathers and make it difficult to fly. And it can actually cause them to die because if they can't fly or escape or, you know, it's, it's a very dangerous situation for the predator.
0: I've never thought about that with birds before, but it totally makes sense. Like when you see uh, some of the tragic casualties of oil spills, you know, with that affecting yeah. birds, you know, that it soaks into their feathers and makes them unable to... To fly, but yeah, I guess when you are a flying organism, there are some real downsides to taking on additional weight or uh, anything that would screw up the aerodynamic properties of your feathers.
3: Yeah, or alters the chemical composition of the outside of the feathers and makes them permeable to water. And uh, it's a very – they're very um, specialized in terms of how they protect the – Birds' body and, and allow them to fly, so they're quite easy to mess with in a way. Uh, so it's very dangerous for these ravens to tangle with the uh, with these dive bomber birds.
0: But Katie, did you have any other like topics from season two that you wanted to talk about?
3: Yeah, so uh, there's a lot of cool episodes. Uh, one of the most recent is on tool use. I think a lot of people think of tools as a primarily primate and human thing, but uh, as we'll discover, a lot of other animals have really creative and bizarre ways they use tools. Uh, There's one on superhero powers. That's a really fun one. Um, David and Goliath, where we talk about the underdog and how they often went out in the natural world and how they managed to do that. And you can check all this out on our website, creaturefeaturepod.com.
0: Excellent. Go do that if you haven't. Stuff to blow your mind, listeners. Why haven't you checked out creature feature yet if you haven't? Go, go, go now. (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, we're going to take a quick break.
4: But when we come back, uh, we're going to talk with Katie about teeth. We're going to spend most of the rest of this episode talking about some uh, peculiar and maybe at times um, intimidating
0: uh, uh, chompers in the animal world.
4: Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples.
0: Well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode
0: is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. All right, we're back. So, Katie, we asked you to talk with us about teeth today. Maybe to have like I realized after I said it uh, that we should do like a like an awards show for nature's weirdest or most jacked up teeth. But I, I think that idea came without me realizing it from your worst at sex awards episode on Creature Creature, <laughs> which I listened to and I thought was very funny. Um, but yeah. So I, I thought maybe yeah we we do a little teeth awards show, uh, and I yeah. know this was on my mind because Robert and I just recently did an episode of our other podcast Invention about chewing gum, and I haven't been able to stop thinking about chewing ever since then. Which is one of those things that you know, like when you're chewing food, if you don't think about it, it tastes really good and it feels really mm-hmm. good. But if you do think about it while you're doing it, it becomes disgusting.
3: Well, oh, yeah, and with I don't know. with like candy and <sighs> chewing gum. Or, or any candy where you, you suck on it or chew on it, you're swallowing flavored saliva, and that's what you're eating when you think about it. And ever since I realized that, it's made eating candy or chewing gum a lot more difficult.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Swallow, yeah. It's like a spit treats, yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, one of the interesting things about the human mouth, though, is that I think we don't often recognize how much the human... How much human teeth are reflective of our evolutionary niche as omnivores, you know, mm-hmm. that we have like these, these sort of like cutting front teeth and we have these sort of like slightly reduced canines that you might see in other predators. But then we've also got the grinding molars for plant matter. We have teeth that show the fact that we eat all kinds of different foods, but there are some animals that you, you look at their teeth and you just realize they have a much more specialized way of life.
3: Yeah, um, I mean, I I, one of my favorite kinds of animal teeth are beaver teeth. Uh, Is it okay if I talk about that? Oh yeah, let's Let's, let's go for it. it. Um, Yeah, they. I mean, I think they're when you think of teeth, that's kind of the primary animal they have that comes up in your head. They have those big buck teeth and they chew down trees. And uh, but what's cool is there's so much more to it than just on the surface. Like it's not just that they have these big buck teeth. Um, They're really incredibly special teeth um so first of all they will grow continuously uh so they never stop growing and that's because when they chew down wood which as as we know beavers are very industrious they're they will terraform their environment they're really important uh in terms of ecological um niche building and like they uh, also feed on these hard plant fibers and and the inside of the 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 cambium in the tree it's not true that they like they don't eat the bark they eat the soft tissue under the tree bark um, and that's full of nutrients so they need they need really special strong teeth to be able to chow down on these trees and uh, do all of this work so um, if their teeth didn't constantly grow, they'd just get worn down. and as soon as the teeth wore all the way down, they would be unable to function anymore., uh, so uh, there also, if you ever seen a beaver, I don't know, have you guys seen a beaver? <laughs> oh, yeah,
4: yes.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think but, but so. I, I
4: know what you're about to, about to, to get to because uh, I every time I see a beaver in real life, I I have to remind myself oh yes there's this one key coloration difference that is generally not uh, presented in cartoons
0: and stuffed animals it's got like it's got like toxic Avenger mouth doesn't it
3: yes so its <laughs> teeth look really janky you, you when if you see one you may think oh God there's something wrong with this beaver because its teeth are bright orange yes Ugh. Um, yeah. and no they're perfectly healthy the oranger the better um so uh, it's orange because the front enamel of their teeth uh, is actually reinforced with iron that they get naturally in their diets. So um, everyone's enamel enamel is made out of like these tiny nanowire rods that are stacked together and that's what makes it really hard. um, And that's what protects your teeth. In beavers, each of these rods are coated in iron, uh, forming these iron nanowires that are especially hard. So that's why they can chew through a tree, whereas if one of us tried to chew through a tree, you know, it wouldn't be good news. <laughs> right, it would wait,
0: not go well. wait a minute. Wait a minute. So orange iron teeth, I would imagine, if I'm not wrong, that it's orange because the iron gets oxidized. So the beaver would literally have rusty teeth, right?
3: mm I mean that checks out to me. I, I'm not. I'm not a chemist, <laughs> but uh, but I mean I I feel like if you want to call beavers like like rusty teeth boys, that that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, 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 have, I don't think I've ever seen a cartoon beaver or a stuffed animal beaver mm-hmm. uh, actually have orange teeth. Ho- I mean, hopefully there's some, some more, you know, biologically accurate representations out there. But for the most part, I, I, again, I'm always just shocked when I see a beaver in real life and then I have to remind myself that, oh, yeah, this is, this is what they look like.
3: That well, would've... you know, it's, it's interesting because there was this TV show on Nickelodeon when I was growing up called Angry Beavers. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually, in a weird way, they had some of the more accurate representation of beavers because they, <laughs> I remember this episode about how if they didn't chew their teeth down, they'd keep growing and growing until they would grow into, like, their brains or something. Mm-hmm. And that part isn't really true. But uh, the... Um, the part where they their teeth continuously grow is very true, and so that that was interesting. Uh, I love cartoons like that because I think that kind of encourages young people's fascination with animals.
4: Oh yeah, I, I there's I think there's some some better and better um, cartoons out there these days. Uh, my son watches some of them where they'll they'll manage to balance you know anthropomorphic animals that talk to each other with actual realities from the natural world, be it something yeah. like uh, octonauts or. Um, Oh, what is it? Uh, the, there's a sky. There's a uh, the one with the puffins. Puffin Rock uh, does a pretty good job.
3: Speaking of cartoons, uh, it kind of the whole beaver teeth growing continuously just reminds me of the Simpsons uh, Lisa needs braces episode, <laughs> yes. where they show the the age progression oh, as yes. her teeth get more and more janky. <laughs> <chunky. laughs>
0: well, I think that's a that's a British joke there, and she sh- they show her the big book of British teeth. <laughs>
4: oh, or or one ends up growing through the top of her head in the, the projection, right?
3: Yeah, that, yeah. Oh, okay. It's just like it shows <laughs> oh. her teeth just getting bigger and bigger until oh, one oh. grows through her skull, yeah.
0: <laughs> You're right. That's two different jokes. Yeah, the joke, yeah, yeah. The, the, that's why she needs braces so it doesn't stab her brain.
3: <laughs> Dental plan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, let's keep going on beavers. So what else you got, Katie?
3: Yeah, so the iron in their teeth that makes them that beautiful shade of orange, uh, not only – uh, predictably, it helps them carve through hard plants and woods, but it's also resistant to damage from acid. So beavers n- pretty much never get cavities. Um, they're like a dentist's dream teeth. Um, and which is very important because a beaver without his teeth is like, you know, I, I don't know, it's just. Impossible. You can't. Well, you can't beaver without your teeth,
4: right? And Of course, that's. I guess that's true for a lot of animals, though. I mean, you 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 look at the the vital role that teeth have in their ability to to feed themselves. I mean, really, for for humans. I mean, we're if, if not for our cooking technology, uh, we'd be in largely the same boat.
3: Yeah. I mean, um, I remember there was this survival story of this guy who was he was stuck. I think in the a desert somewhere in Australia, like somewhere in the outback where he had gotten lost or something and he found some kind of abandoned shack and he was, he had to stay there because he was miles and miles from civilization and he had to conserve his energy. So he survived by eating like those witchetty grubs. And then uh, he started to get a tooth abscess. uh, And so he realized he had to rip his own uh, tooth out in order oh. to survive because if the infection spread to other teeth or if he couldn't use his mouth, he would die. Mm-hmm. So he pulled out his own tooth, like did his did dentistry on himself in order to survive. And he, I think he did end up, yeah. Well, I mean, duck because he was talking about it, so he ended up surviving. <laughs> well, it's um, the
0: original 127 hours is before the. Uh, I don't remember the original guy's name, but the James Franco movie, right?
3: Right. Yeah. Although I feel like pulling out your own tooth is somehow even worse than cutting off your own leg if that makes sense yeah I mean you're reaching into your skull and yeah yeah. like you're breaking your job it's awful um so back to beavers (laughs) (laughs) um they uh also it's it's really interesting because so the front part of the tooth is that orange color with the reinforced iron and then the back part is actually a softer, uh, made of dentin, which is a little, it's still hard, but it's softer, and it will wear away more quickly than the iron in the front. So when they chew, they actually form these natural wedges with their teeth, and that makes them even better tools. Hmm. Uh, In fact, uh, beaver jaws were used as tools by early humans, uh, which is a kind of a a little bit of a cheating way to have an iron age. You just use a beaver (laughs) jaw um but uh yeah because they were so their their teeth are just such great uh specialized tools
0: so it's kind of like a like a single bevel knife right the kind of knife that yeah. uh, unlike most is just wear, worn down on one edge
3: yeah yeah exactly it, it's um it's really utilizing so, some mechanical advantage and the way. it's it's just cool to me that one side is softer so it'll create a blade basically with these teeth, like little little tiny axes.
0: This whole conversation about how you never see the orange teeth in cartoons has made me think you could do a whole episode, or we could, somebody could, on like uh, animals that are never depicted in cartoons in anatomically correct ways because <laughs> to depict them anatomically correctly is disturbing in one way or another.
3: Hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Uh, I might steal it. Yeah, <laughs> okay. go for it. I was also going to do um, probably this week, I'm going to do a little bit of myth busting about lions. I I advised the Bechtel cast on that, and I probably will mention some things on my show because of the, I'm sure, the blatant misinformation coming from the new Lion King movie that must be corrected.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, does it present like a phallocentric Lion King?
3: Yeah, I don't know if the new one. I I haven't actually seen the new "quote unquote" live action. It's not live action; it's CGI. (laughs) Um, But I haven't seen it. It's I. I have seen the old the old version, which is very inaccurate um, in terms of how it presents lion society. But uh, uh, you know, speak about speaking of uh, animals that don't do well when their teeth when stuff happens to their teeth, like a lion with uh, teeth problems can definitely die.
4: Well I've, yeah. I I I believe I've read that like in cases where you have man eaters um with with large uh, feline's like that mm-hmm. sometimes occurs due to um uh, uh, uh damage to their uh, their teeth like they're they're losing their yeah. their dental effectiveness and they that's when they turn to eating uh humans if they're available. Yeah,
3: that's I think that was the case with the lions of Savo. Mm-hmm.
4: Am I is that I the, believe
3: the ones so, that yeah. were were eating the uh people who were um It was this group of uh, like two or three lions who were stalking these people um, back in the was it in the 1800s, Um, the late 1800s maybe. I believe so. Uh,
0: Were they building a railroad? Yeah, yeah, they were building
3: a railroad. I think, and they kept eating these poor workers, (laughs) and um, and they would stalk them. They they would follow their camps and wait for one of them to let their guard down and eat them, and that's because. Uh, humans, we're real. We're soft serve, basically. Yeah. Um. So these lions that were weaker and had these dental problems, um, were eating people because we were just easier to eat.
4: Yet tired of chewing through a bunch of hide, humans.
3: Yeah. It's the, right. the easy solution. Right. We're, we're like little cherry tomatoes. <laughs> real easy <laughs> on the teeth.
4: All right. Well, let's move on to our next animal. Uh, Katie, I believe you were gonna you're gonna talk about uh, one of our favorites, the corpse whale.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the, uh, the unicorn of the sea, uh, the, the narwhal, um, and isn't it, I, I think it's actually true that like the concept of the unicorn may be related to people who discovered narwhal. Uh, horns. Yes, we um, we
0: talked about this. We actually did a two part episode on unicorns. I think sometime last year mm-hmm. or was it even the year before? I don't know. It was sometime recently. And narwhal horns have been hypothesized as one of the things that that people sold and traded as unicorn horns. Yeah, like basically the two main inroads to unicorns are, are rhinos and uh, and the uh, narwhal. But we're calling them narwhal horns. They're not exactly no. horns, are they?
3: Yeah. I, I'm I'm doing a bit of a goof on y'all. They're actually <laughs> tusks because they're a big old tooth that grows out of their forehead.
0: <laughs> it's the best. Um,
3: it's actually an oversized canine tooth, and what's interesting to me is they're. If you ever, when you think of a gnarl, kind of similar to how you picture a beaver with their pearly white teeth. The narwhal, you think of it as a symmetrical unicorn horn, like right down the center. Mm -hmm. It's actually off-center because it's usually the upper left canine tooth that is overgrown. So if you get a top view of a narwhal, you can see it actually lists a little bit to the left, typically. Um, And they can grow up to an impressive 10 feet long. Uh, It's usually only on males. Uh, Only about 15% of females have a tusk. Um, and then, very, very rarely, uh, a narwhal can have two symmetrical tusks, but that's extremely uncommon. Um, and what's really cool about this, the the narwhal tusk, is it is kind of a scientific mystery, and there are a few theories on why it exists. And it has an ex- a super weird uh, kind of it, it's it's very odd anatomically, which we can. Uh, Get into Um, so one of the most uh, one of the theories is that it's it's just basically a a mating a sexual uh, dimorphism kind of mating display uh, attribute. So uh, it's this showy thing that maybe helps with mating, maybe helps uh, male narwhals kind of face off, um, and that would make sense because females don't have it, Uh, but the weird part about that is that it, the tusk itself is very specialized. So um, a lot of researchers argue that the tusk is actually this big sensory organ because it contains millions of nerve endings. And it's actually composed not of hard enamel. Not, It's not just this insensitive kind of, uh, you know, prong. It, it's, the, it's composed of like the sensitive parts of the tooth Um, And so it's thought that maybe it's collecting information about the water. And there's even this theory that like when you see male narwhals rubbing their tusks together, that instead of fighting, they're sharing sensory information. Um, So one of the proponents of this theory is Martin Nwila. Uh, uh, He's a Harvard University marine dental expert. Um, And uh, his research team thinks that this is sharing info about the, the tusks rubbing together is uh, sharing info about the salinity and other characteristics of the water that they've traveled through. And so this is, the, this is why they think this may be the case. So the narwhal tusk is very different from human and even other mammalian teeth. Um, so I don't know, have you guys talked about, are you guys going to talk about the anatomical features of the human teeth on the show?
0: Uh, probably not in today's episode. Those, I'm sure, it's come up before. I mean, we know that teeth aren't the same as bones. They've got these right. different layers of different density and material.
3: <laughs> right, right. So just a just a quick refresher. Then it's uh, there's a hard outer layer of an animal, um, and an inner layer of dentin, and then inside of that is the pulp, mm. which contains nerve endings and blood vessels, and hopefully you don't really feel that too much. Uh, If you do, you might have a cavity. Um, (laughs) Teeth are like pumpkins. (laughs) Uh, And then the root of the tooth is covered in uh, cementum, which is this special calcified substance that contains these little teeny tiny canals that actually help root the teeth to the alveolar bone uh, by connecting to what's called the periodontal ligament, which that's a bunch of words that I barely even know what they mean. So um, it's um, basically your teeth isn't just rooted in by sort of those ma- the main pointy roots. It doesn't just sit in the bed. It's attached by all these little tiny fibers um, that anchor the tooth to the surrounding tissue and to the surrounding bone. Um, that's why it's not just easy to pop a tooth out. <laughs> um, and so, and that's, that's a very sensitive part of the tooth, as you can imagine, because uh, it's, it's permeable. It, it can, all these fibers can go through it. In narwhals, the entire outside of the tusk is covered in this permeable cementum. So, like the, the stuff that's really basically only in the root of our teeth is the entire nar- narwhal tusk. And instead of using those little channels, uh, those little holes that are all throughout, the cementum to anchor it, they actually, seawater traverses through it, through passages in the inner layer of dentin and into the pulp where it contacts nerve endings, which sounds, yeah, which sounds very unpleasant. So it doesn't, it it seems intuitively, it seems that there's got to be a reason for this, the the fact that seawater can just get in touch with nerve endings, because otherwise that just seems very uncomfortable.
0: Right. Like, don't you want some holes in your teeth for the ice water to get in? <laughs>
3: right. Like, imagine if your tooth had a big old hole in it, and then you do- dove into some super cold water. That would be not not the best feeling. So uh, the one of the theories that this may be an- advantageous is that it could be used to detect salinity in the water and the reason this is important is that high salt concentration can indicate that ice is forming and narwhals don't want to get trapped in the ice. Yeah. So if there's a real high salinity, uh, they may know to leave that area because they don't want to get stuck in ice formations. Um, but it's, it's really important to note that the science on this has been far from settled. There's a lot of argument uh, about that if this is an important sensory organ, then why isn't this present in female narwhals? Uh, that seems like kind of a big <laughs> oversight. Um, and the the fact that a lot of times sexual dimorphism of features like a like a big tusk usually indicates that it's involved in mating displays. But I, I do think that there must be. It, it seems like there's likely some utility to the tusk. So. I think it could be a, situ- a kind of rare situation where maybe it was initially used in mating, and then the some of the features of it, like these these channels that allow salt water to flow into the nerves, could now have some utility that the narwhals use. So it's it's hard to say, uh, and I'm really interested to see kind of track that, see what researchers come up with in the future.
0: Huh. Uh, so kind of like maybe if like a stag's antlers got, gained the ability to sense a storm has come in or something. Right, yeah.
3: Right, yeah, exactly.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, more with Katie Golden. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential
2: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel
0: podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all.
4: Start saving on wireless today at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms. Visit Visible.com.
0: All right, we're back. So I I have a question, Katie. I have seen images all over the Internet, often unlabeled and memefied, of a creepy-looking fish that has human teeth. Do do you know what that is?
3: Yeah, it's a sheep's head fish, uh, and they (laughs) – do you have creepy looking human like teeth? <laughs> Um that that's not it's one of those rare meme images that's actually not photoshopped because I've seen all sorts of photoshopped things of like oh look at this animal with their weird teeth and it's just like no you just photoshop some human teeth.
4: Oh yeah because there's um, like a some sort of a cephalopod image that is uh maybe not photoshopped but just like the, the way that the, the specimen was arranged it makes it look like it
0: has human teeth. Well this tradition goes all the way back to like the tabloid newspapers of the 1990s. I remember when I was a kid uh there was this thing that would be like a cat found with human teeth and that'd be <laughs> on the cover of the Weekly World News and it's super creepy looking things that aren't yeah. human shouldn't have human teeth or be able to smile. Yeah. Like, I was always oh, think about yeah. that.
4: What if my my cat could smile? It would be
0: it would be disturbing. What would a cat have to think in order to smile? That wouldn't be a good thought. <laughs> <laughs>
4: but the sheep's uh, head fish here is is not is not smiling to be clear. But does have these very human-like teeth. So, I mean, the obvious question is, well, what are are they eating that requires
0: these chompers? This is a fish that lives on Snickers bars.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not only got these human teeth, but it's got lots of them, just rows and rows of them. (laughs) Um, And it's, yeah, they're used to crush up the shells of their prey. So they eat oysters, clams, bivalves, crabs, other crustaceans. You know, so on and so forth. All those, all oh, those crunchy, delightful things you can eat in the ocean. Um, so it can, ju- it just kind of puts it in there like it's going through a blender and crushes them up with all with their many, many human-like teeth.
0: <laughs> wow, that's well. I've got human-like teeth, and I can't crush up oyster shells.
3: <laughs> well, do you have? Tons of teeth. That's true. How maybe, many teeth maybe, do you have? If I just add not more as many of these teeth. guys, I bet.
0: This is why I have to steal other people's teeth. I finally found a justification.
3: I think if you shoved a few rows of dentures in your mouth, you could crush an <laughs> oyster.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll take that under advisement. Uh, I, so this is one of your honorable mentions, right? That wasn't a main yeah. pick for you, but the sheep's head fish.
3: Yeah, I just don't know as much about this fish, but I do. I, I think these are ones that I would highly encourage you guys to Google. Usually I say don't Google this because it's disgusting, but these are really interesting. So Google sheep's head fish. Really cool. You see rows and rows of teeth. Another one to definitely Google image is the crab eater seal. Um, and it's uh it's this adorable little you know how seals are they're just these little chunky Balls of cuteness, mm-hmm.
0: blubbery water uh, dogs.
3: Yeah, they're they're little they're little water water boys with like little <laughs> round bodies, and they're very cute. You know, they're they're found uh, in An- Antarctica, um, and they are uh, they do eat. They they are also known as a uh, they're called crab eater seals, but they often eat uh, krill. So, uh, but what's cool about these guys is if you look at their teeth, they're. They're so trippy. Um, they have these like whorls and spirals around, uh, and it looks kind of like, um, almost like a uh, Fibonacci sequence of teeth. It's just mm-hmm. like, or what are those called? Like a fractal. Yeah, like fractal patterns. Fractal.
0: Yeah, they look like um, a like a psychedelic illustration or like a a, a Mandelbrot set edge.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's like as if oh, you wow. took a tooth, like if you took a tooth and then just did the like swirl, the, the what's it called, the swirl effect in Photoshop a bunch of times. <laughs> yeah, Um like they, they look like, yeah, they look photoshopped. It's like, but they're had, really yeah. cool.
0: Oh, oh, it's a, it's also a uh, a Coke snowflake. Or a Koch snowflake, however you pronounce that. Yeah, kinda. Or it's like if
4: Alex Gray designed a seal skull. I was it's... almost gonna say Alex <laughs> Gray
0: because I know that was where you were gonna go. Yeah, around. yeah,
4: these are impressive. I'm looking at some of these images right now. Yeah, I, yeah, these these are
0: amazing. So why do yeah, they have these fractal teeth?
3: Well, it's they look really like they're designed to be these really nasty weapons to just like shred things apart. But I think what they're actually used for is to uh, strain uh, smaller prey items like krill out of the hmm. water column. So they can get like this big gulp of seawater with some krill and then they sort of force the water out of their mouth and the krill get all caught up in their janky teeth and then they can eat them. Sort of like the the f- way that whale baleen works.
0: Hmm. So it's like a, a mammalian jaw spider strainer.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like a colander, teeth colanders.
0: Interesting.
4: And then you have one more on your honorable mention here. Um, and yeah. It's this, a shark, right?
3: Yeah. So this is a <laughs> this is an extinct species of sh- some kind of shark-like fish. Um, uh, it lived in the early Permian uh, era, like around 300 million years ago, um, and their uh, scientific name is the the Helicoprion, um, and they just have a very, very funny looking mouth because it looks like someone shoved a buzzsaw on their <laughs> on their lower jaw. Um, I would definitely. Google image this. It's also really funny to see the different, because we only have fossil records of this. We don't know exactly how this jaw works, like where it fits on the animal. So there's a lot of different interpretations and illustrations of how uh, this shark was put together. Um, there's an uh, 1899 drawing where it just, <laughs> super funny. It looks like this nose. Um, so they put it on the top of the shark where it's just this curly nose of teeth. Um <laughs> And then, but I think a lot more—the more accepted kind of place to put this buzzsaw of <laughs> teeth is on the lower jaw, uh, on the outside, and it—it real, it's just like set- rows and rows of many, many sharp teeth that are just that look like some kind of freaky Tim Burton-esque monster.
0: Well, it appears it, it appears that it sort of spirals out. So, does it have like new rows of teeth that? go down in like it gets bigger as it goes along through the spiral
3: right yeah I, I think th- and I, you know I'm not sure that they know exactly because obviously we don't there's not there's limited record of this shark but I would guess it's similar to how um, modern sharks how they can push out, uh, teeth. So when they lose teeth, they just have rows of teeth behind that they push out progressively. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how they solve their dental problems is they just replace them with new new teeth. Um, so I would imagine that maybe this is a form of that where, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, what what's that, like that bubble gum that came in those big coils? <laughs> like, uh, oh, the or you,
0: bubble tape?
3: Yeah, bubble tape, <laughs> um, where you just keep, or like a Pez dispenser, you just keep on. You're able to keep pushing out new teeth. Um, that I I don't know though. It, it's hard to say because this is a very <laughs> weird fossil record. I mean, uh, and,
0: in all of the illustrations I find of it, it, it's not represented in a way that looks like it could actually bite. So, yeah, I yeah. I'm, I'm tempted to think that we have not figured out where. The, the correct anatomical orientation of this yet. Yeah, or, or exactly how it was just utilized. Yeah.
3: Know? Yeah, so it's – uh we don't know. <laughs> I mean, I certainly don't know why this would be good. <laughs> like, because if you can imagine just having a buzzsaw of teeth in your lower jaw, how hard that would be to chew things, mm-hmm. doesn't seem – optimal and maybe that's why they're dead. <laughs> um but uh there there is the proposal of like how this may have worked is that um there is like no teeth in the top jaw except the like some crushing teeth. So it's like a mortar and pestle kind of design. Oh um, so like the bottom thing could crush things up with this like buzzsaw of teeth and then the top the top uh, part of the jaw would be like the mortar, and the bottom part would be the pestle, and just like grind, grind prey up. But it still doesn't; it just doesn't look like it worked that good. It's kind
0: of like a like a guillotine mouth. Like it's got a circular <laughs> yeah. guillotine blade, and it goes into the the like catcher, which is the upper jaw.
3: Yeah, it's one of those things where it looks like a child's idea of a scary monster. So uh-huh. when you're thinking, oh well, you just put a buzzsaw in its mouth and it looks super awesome and cool. But then when you think about it, there's probably a reason that this shark did not win out in the evolutionary uh arms race.
0: Yeah, it lost to the uh the recently evolved chainsaw whale. <laughs>
3: Well, it reminds me, remember BattleBots, the, the TV show? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. With
0: the little fighting robots. Where yeah. it, it was always counterintuitive. Like a lot of the ones that seemed like they had the best weapons did not always right? win.
3: Exactly. So you have one with big chainsaw on it. You're like, oh, this one's going to just wreck. And then some little wedge-shaped one uh-huh. knocks it over and wins. Yeah, the little flippers.
4: Like they were the ones the, that excelled.
3: Yeah, it was always the wedges, like our, <laughs> like our friend the uh, beaver. Uh, th- that wedge <laughs> shape is just so good
0: yeah hard to beat an inclined plane
3: No. Nope.
0: alright well I think that uh, about brings us to the end where we need to wrap up today but before we do that uh, first of all if you are not subscribed to Creature Feature yet subscribe to Creature Feature right now subscribe do to it. Creature Feature right now <laughs> right now uh, Katie entice them What what is coming up on Creature Feature or what will have aired recently when this comes out
3: yeah so the episode that's out Right now, as of this recording, is uh, one on tool use. Um, I have my guest is Carmen Angelica. She's a delight, and it's it's really fun because we talk about tools of the trade, tools of torture, and tools of love. So it's uh, <laughs> kind of runs the gamut in terms of what can be used as a tool. Uh, and it's there's some surprising twists and turns there. Um, and uh, the one I'm recording. Uh, for next week is going to be on animals that you don't think you should be afraid of, look pretty innocent and harmless, but are really actually extremely deadly. Um, and uh, I'll probably also be correcting the record on the Lion King. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wait a minute. Animals that you don't think you should be afraid of, but you should yeah. are geese yes. on the list. Is it geese?
3: Uh, yeah. Geese is the whole thing. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the only thing I'm talking about on that episode.
0: Uh, Well, they at least deserve a nod. Those things are scary.
3: Yeah, speaking have you seen, like, the the geese that have teeth?
0: No, I don't think so.
3: They're not really teeth. They're just a serrated beak, but, boy, do they look unpleasant.
4: Yeah, a serrated (laughs) beak sounds very unpleasant.
0: Okay, well, uh, thanks so much for joining us today, Katie. It's been so much fun.
3: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me again.
0: Anytime. Oh, and one last time, where can people find Creature Feature?
3: Yeah, so you can find us on our website, creaturefeaturepod.com. Uh, We're on Twitter, Creature Feet Pod, and on Instagram, Creature Feature Pod. Uh, And, of course, we're on Apple Apple iTunes. We're on the iHeartRadio app or pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts.
0: Anywhere, folks. There's no excuse.
3: No excuse.
0: All right. Well, thanks so much. And we'll uh, maybe we'll talk to you again soon.
3: Yeah, I hope so.
4: All right. And if you want to check out more Stuff to Blow Your Mind, we have a website, stufftoblowyourmind.com. You can go there. And if you want to support our show, the best thing you can do is make sure you have subscribed to us. Subscribe to our other show, Invention, as well. And wherever you have the power to do so, just give, leave us a nice review. Leave us a, a nice assortment of
0: stars. That helps out the show in the long run. Huge thanks, as always, to our excellent audio producer, Maya Cole. If you would like to get in touch with us with feedback on this episode or any other, to suggest a topic for the future, or just to say hello, you can email us at contact at stufftoblowyourmind.com. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app.